You are listening to a message from Vida City Church Houston. For more information about our church, visit our website at vidacch.org. And now with you, today's message. The Bible says in Genesis 37, Genesis 37 verses 5 through 11, it's a story that we all probably pretty much well know, the story about Joseph. It says, then Joseph had a dream. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to the dream that I have had. We were gathering grain in the field. My bundle of grain stood up. Your bundles of grain gathered around it and bowed down to my bundle. Then his brothers said to him, are you going to be our king? Are you going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for what he said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers, and he said, I have had another dream, the sun and the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He told it to his father and to his brothers. His father spoke sharp words to him, saying, What is this dream you have had? Will I and your mother and brothers come to bow ourselves down to the ground in front of you? Joseph's brothers were jealous of him, but his father thought about what he said. Verse 18, when they saw him from afar, before he came near them, they made plans to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the deep holes. Then we will say that a wild animal ate him. And we will see what becomes of his dreams. I'd like to speak for a few moments using as a subject, fight for your dreams. Fight for your dreams. Our God has designed big dreams for everyone at every stage of the life that we live in. When you were growing up, you had dreams of doing something. When you became a teenager, you had dreams of doing something different. When you got married, you got, had dreams of, you know, having kids and having a house. And every stage of our life, God will place a dream in us. And every time you dream big, I want you to listen to this. You are practicing or you are dress rehearsing your future. Let me say that again. Every time you have one of these big dreams that you believe that God has given you, you are actually practicing and dress rehearsing your future. You must never, never be alarmed. You must never uh, be surprised to discover that when your dream is stirred within you, when that dreams make you, if you could somebody tell some of those, the people there to help me out here and take their conversation, they're, they're having a lunch over there. So whenever you discover that God has put a dream in you, you should never be alarmed, you should never be surprised that that dream that's inside of you, somebody is always going to try to kill that dream. You may not know it, but there are dream killers that are just waiting to rise up against you. And every dream that you have, you have to fight for your dream. It carries purpose. It carries destiny. And not everybody is in your corner cheering you on and saying, go for it. As a matter of fact, some of the biggest dream killers carry your own last name. Ask Joseph. And so you have to fight for your dream because you have dream killers who are often disguised as, as situations. Your dream killers 
are often disguised as circumstances. They're also disguised as close friends or even family members. And often you have to fight your past. Because for real, for real, sometimes you can't even be living in the present, much less go to a beautiful future because you're still living in your past. And your past will hinder and your past will kill the dreams that God has for you. Sometimes you have to fight your pride. Our pride gets in the way. And our pride will sometimes annul the dream that God has given us. Other times we have to fight the fears because we're afraid of this dream that God has given us. We're afraid that it may not happen. We're afraid that it will all fall apart. We're afraid that, that we, it may fail. And so we have to fight our dreams, because, our fears, because our fears can become our own dream killers. Sometimes you even have to fight yourself because you can interfere in the dream that God has given you. You can take steps that didn't need to be taken. You can move ahead of God's timing and you can destroy the dream that God has given you. I think we can learn firsthand from Joseph who had one of the greatest dreams in history that we can find that Joseph had something within him that just caused him to dream big. And I believe that you that are here today, listen closely, I think you have big dreams. Maybe you haven't seen them come to, fat, to pass or, 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 or maybe your present circumstance doesn't even come close to what you believe God's dream for your life is. But I believe that you have big dreams for yourself. You have big dreams for, you know, your ministry. You have big dreams for your marriage. You have big dreams for, for your family. Joseph had the audacity to, to dream big. He had big dreams. And, and he had big dreams because he had a relationship with God. It was not necessarily his dream. It was God's dream for his life. Hello. And you may have your own personal dreams, but there's nothing better than the dreams that God has for, for your life. There's, there's nothing better than to know that this dream did not come from my pride, from my ego, that, that this dream did not come by, from, from me, but that this dream that I am seeing, this dream that I am having is a dream that God is placing in my heart. And God's dreams will always be better and will always be bigger than what you and I could imagine or even hope for. So he has this dream, and the reason Joseph could dream big was because he understood, listen closely, not only who he was, but whose he was. He understood who he was, but he also understood, understood whose he was. And I think many of our dreams have not come to pass because of, of who we are. Not because of whose we are, but because of who we are. Because if we go to who we are, maybe our dream doesn't come to pass because I don't have enough money. I don't have enough right connections. I don't have the enough education that I need. But God's dream has all the right resources. Hello, somebody. It has all the divine relationships connected to it. And God's dream really will not fail if you are in the will of God and accept the dream and the challenge to trust God and believe God whatever time it takes to see this dream come to pass. One of the things that we learn from Joseph is that Joseph never allowed his circumstances to stop him from dreaming. And not only to stop him from dreaming, but to stop him from dreaming big and aiming high. Joseph is a guy that when you read his story, he fought against all odds and overcame every person 
an obstacle that wanted to kill his dream. Because not only will you have obstacles, but you'll have people that want to kill your dream. And Joseph had the courage to fight and had the courage to conquer his dream. Regardless, listen, of what others thought of him. Regardless of what other, others criticized his dreams. This, this boy was dreaming, listen, uh, of the sun. This guy was dreaming of the moon, and this guy was dreaming of and stars. His dreams, we could say, were literally out of this world. He's dreaming beyond of what we would normally be, uh, dream about. He's dreaming at another level. He, he's dreaming in another dimension. He's dreaming beyond of, of what he was. He's dreaming beyond of who he was and even beyond where he was at the precise moment of his life. That's why I said earlier that your present circumstance may not even match up to the dream that God has given you. And you might give up on your dream because everything around you does not even come close to the picture that God has placed in your heart. And, and, and this guy, Joseph, was, was a dreamer and, and, and God's gift to him was, was to dream something that he never thought he would ever live out in his life. He's dreaming but he still doesn't quite know what it's all about. Joseph's dreams was, was given to him, listen, only, but, but it was not only for him. It was also a dream that would affect his family. And if we're going to dream, we ought to ask God, the dream that you give me, Lord, let it not just be a dream that will be for my benefit, but let it be a dream that will be a benefit to all those that are connected in my life and in my family and my sphere of influence. Let it be a dream that will impact beyond of me, beyond me, but touch others in many ways that I cannot even comprehend. The problem that, that, that Joseph had was that his brothers did not understand that dream until years later. In fact, the dream was more about them than what they realized. Hello, somebody. And sometimes you have people that will criticize your dream without realizing that that dream that God has given you is for their benefit. And sometimes it's more benefit to them than it was for you. When you talk about Daniel, Daniel, his head was about to be cut off because the king had had a dream, Nebuchadnezzar, and none of his magicians and none of his, his people, none of his astrologists, none of them could, could, could bring the definition and interpretation of the dream. And so the king is upset and he says, I want you to kill all of them because they're not functioning in their gift. It's not working. And they come and they take Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, come on, we're going to go kill you. Well, for what? He said, I, I, I didn't do anything exactly. You haven't been doing anything. And so Daniel begins to ask the king for time. I spoke that this morning. I, I say it right now because of the dreams that we're talking about. Asks for more time. Listen, his gift to interpret the dream and the dream is not even his dream, it's the king's dream. But the king needs him. And sometimes God will test you to see if you're willing to allow your dream to benefit somebody else more than it benefits you. Can God trust you with the God dream even though it may be for somebody else's benefit and it's, and it's not really yours. And so here you have Joseph who his dream killers are his brothers and their brothers really don't understand in reality this dream is for your benefit because if you know the end of the story it was for their benefit they would have died should Joseph had not been who he was and that dream that he saw would have not fulfilled he would have no not be able to save his family and sometimes we need to be careful that we don't criticize, knock down, or try to be a dream killer of somebody else because you don't know if that dream that God is giving them not only benefits them, but it can save me in some situation and I'd be a fool to try to kill something that's to my benefit. That we need to be careful 
of the dreams that we criticize or knock down just because they weren't my dreams but it's somebody else's. You need to pray, God, bless that person. Bring that dream to a reality. Don't let me be that dream killer because who knows, that dream may be have me involved in it. That dream may have a benefit for me. That dream may be a blessing upon my life. God, if you gave him, you gave her that dream, bring it to pass because who knows, I may be blessed by that dream as well. And so Joseph has to deal with his brothers because they are jealous of his dream. My question is, can, can you dream for those who hate you? Could you ask God to give you a dream that will benefit those that hate you? Because the dream that Joseph has basically is to benefit his brothers who hate him. Imagine if Joseph would have possessed the determination, not have the determination to fight for that dream. If Joseph doesn't hold on to that dream, listen, a whole entire nation would have paid the price because generations of people would have never existed because his family would have perished in the famine. His family would have died because hunger came to the land. It was that dream and it was Joseph who endured the hardships and all the, 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 the mistreatment that they gave him. But he held on to the, when they threw him into the pit, he held on to that dream. He fell hoping that that dream would not shatter. When they pull him out of the pit and they sell him, he's holding on to the dream that if you're going to sell me, sell me with the dream, but don't take the dream away from me. And when they accuse him falsely at Potiphar's house and his wife accuses him of trying to, to, to seduce her, he holds on to the dream. You can take my cloak and you can take my, my, my jacket and you can take my coat of many colors, but don't take my dream away. I'll hold on to it. How hard and how much are you willing to hold on to the dream that God's given you? Because if it's a God dream, you're going to have to fight for it. Have you lost it? Have you let go? Was the pressure too big that you said, I, I, I'd rather just let go of the dream? How many people would be affected and how many people are being affected because you let go of that dream? That dream that Joseph had was going to save a nation. That, that, that dream that, that Joseph had would preserve and save God's nation, God's people. That dream that Joseph had was the one that was going to revolutionize and, and bring a, 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 a abundance to, to the people of God that were going to go through hunger. But because Joseph held on to that, to that dream, he, he, he was able to save a whole nation. How many people are counting on your dream? Let me put it this way. How many people will benefit of your dream even though they seem to be your dream killers? And the true test that you really love God and you can really trust God with your dream is that I'm willing to dream even for those that hate me. I'm willing to hold on to the dream even when they threw me in the pit. I'm, leaving, I'm willing to hold on to the dream even when they pulled me out of the pit and they sold me into slavery. Joseph had many reasons to let go of that dream. But it was a God dream. And when you know it's a God dream, you're not going to let just anything destroy and take away the faith in that that dream will become a reality. When it's a God dream, you will protect it. When it's a God dream, you'll do whatever you have to do to hold on to that dream because you know it's not just any dream. It is a God dream and every God dream will impact and will affect people around you. That's why you've got to hold on to that dream. Who's, who's counting on you to dream big? Who will suffer if you fail to dream? Somebody that you may not even know. That God has lined up in the seasons of your life. Is depending on you and your dreaming. Unless you fight for your dream, all could be lost for them. Think of the great dreamers in history. What if Martin Luther King 
had failed to hold on to his dream, where would our nation be right now concerning civil rights? What if Thomas Edison had not dreamed big? We might still be having candlelight services because we wouldn't know what electricity and light is all about. What about all these great Christian leaders if they would have stopped dreaming big? Where would the church be without people like Martin Luther or John Wesley or Jonathan Edwards or Smith Wigglesworth or even William J. Seymour, Amy Semple McPherson? Where, where would we be as a church should these people had been so afraid to dream big and would have lost their dream? What condition would our church and churches be if we didn't have great dreamers and people that fought for the dream? One of the things that you're going to have to understand is that you will always have a fight when you ever receive or when your dream is a, a God dream. The enemy is going to fight you, but there are some things that you'll have to fight. For example, if it's a God dream, you're going to have to fight your own character. You heard the saying that God will never take you to a place where your character can't keep you. If you're going to see the God dream become a reality, there are things in your own life that have to be dealt with. There are things in your life that God has to change. There are things in our lives that God has to deal with. And that's our character because God has to, listen to what Genesis 37 verse 5 and verse 7 said. Talking about fighting your character. One night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Verse 7, we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. He's not exaggerating. The dream that he has is precise. The dream that he has, it's, it's exactly the way uh, 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 he sees it. There's nothing wrong with Joseph's dreams. Let me tell you what's wrong. The problem is that he's allowed everything that God has given him or showed him to make him think that he's untouchable. There are some times that God will show you a dream that it's only for you to know and only for you to pray about, not for you to brag about. And Joseph's character needed to be dealt with because when he receives these dreams, he brings them out to his family and he brings them out to his mom and dad. And, and the way that he expresses himself, he, like he's, he's like in some ego trip. And God has to deal with those areas because he doesn't want you to think that you're all that and a bag of chips. And some of the reasons that we feel that we are untouchable is because he tells his brothers that they are going to serve him. And he tells then again his parents in Genesis 37.9, soon Joseph had another dream. And again he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. But his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that, he asked. Will your mother and I, your brothers, actually come and bow to the ground before you? I want you to listen to this. Sometimes everything that God shows you doesn't mean you've got to show it and tell it to everybody else. It may just be for you alone for that moment. The dream will affect other people. 
The dream will bless other people. The dream will save other people. For, for the moment, the dream is just for you. And Joseph didn't know how to handle that. And when you get to the point where, where you lose discernment, where you lose humility, and you get to the point where, where you think you're all that, listen to me, there will come a time then when God has to postpone his process and, or, or his dream, and he has to take you, listen, to the pit. Because when you're in the pit, you're no longer thinking about your dream. When you're in the pit, you're no longer thinking about they're going to bow down before me. When you're in the pit, you're no longer thinking that you're all that and a bag of chips. When you're in the pit is the only place where God has your undivided attention. And it is there where you begin to focus again. Whatever God is going to do in my life, it's because of God. And God will take you in your dream season. Sometimes will take you to the lowest place of your life so that you could he could have your undivided attention and once again focus I can't do anything without God I wouldn't be this without God I can't go there if it's not because of God. I wouldn't have that job because if it's not because of God. I wouldn't be able to go to that school because if it hadn't been for God. I wouldn't be able to have this pain, good pain job if it hadn't been for God. God wants us to understand that every dream and everything that he gives us, it comes from God. God wants him only and only he to get all the glory. If you notice what he is saying, I saw this and I saw you guys doing this and I was standing up and y'all were bowing down. God is never mentioned in this dream even though it's a God dream. And so God says, okay, let's, let's stop for a moment here. Let's me and you talk again. And you've got to be, if you're for real, for real, and you're really honest, you'll know that most of the time that God has our undivided attention are when we are in the bottom of life or when we are in the pit of life. You no longer care about the dream. You care about getting out. You're no longer caring about your position. You're wanting God, I need your favor. God, I need for you to intervene. God, in the pit, there ain't nobody around me but you. God, in the pit, I can only talk to you. God, in the pit, if there's anybody that's going to bring me out, it's going to be you. How you're going to do it, I don't know. But it's in the pit where God sometimes has to take us to get our undivided attention and refocus to where we're supposed to be. And where we're supposed to go. So he'll take you and sometimes he'll put you in the pit because you feel that you are so untouchable. You know, God takes us not only into the pit, but God sometimes has to deal with us. Not only in the pit, but the pit becomes something that prepares us. Let, 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 me, let me see if I can. Um, Joseph speaks of his dreams two times. They're, they're two different dreams. And like I said, in none of those dreams does he mention God. All he talks about is himself. So, if you're not willing to give God the credit, then God says, let me, let's me and you talk in a, in a lonely place without any distractions. Where the only focus and the only attention is going to be me and God will take you to the pit. Because it's in the pit where God wants to show you you've got to depend on God. It's in the pit where God wants to show you that from here on there has to be a spirit of gratitude and not a spirit of arrogance. God has to deal with our character in the pit. And we always talk about our promotion. We always talk about, you know, the new car I got. We always talk about, the, you know, the, the, the new certificate and the new diploma I got. But, but, but very rarely do we put God in it and say, because of God. And so God will take you to the pit to deal with your character. Okay? The second thing 
that you have to understand is that not only does God, you know, you have to fight with your character, but now you have to fight the pit itself. Sometimes God allows things to go a little bit different than what we thought. Because God understands the seasons of our lives. God understands and sees the future that will be ours. And if it wasn't for what we've gone through, listen, something previous, we probably would have lost our mind. And it's there in the pit where God begins to prepare us. Listen, before Joseph got into the pit, listen to me closely, and, and, and before he is the governor, he's gone through some processes that are going to help him throughout the journey of his life. Listen, listen to me closely. Let, let me see if I can prove my case. Before Joseph was thrown into the pit and after he was out of the pit, Joseph lost his coat of many colors. He loses his coat of many colors. He's thrown into the pit. And then they lie about Joseph. Stay with me. He loses his coat of many colors. He's thrown into a pit. And then they lie about Joseph. That may not mean much to you. But it's God's way of preparing you. For what's to come. Because in life you will go through similar situations that you went over here. You're going to go through them again over here. And if you can learn to trust God over here. When this same situation comes up over here. You're not going to have any worries. And because God knows that it's going to happen over here. He's going to prepare you first here. Stay with me. You'll catch up with me. Hold on. And so he prepares you here because when it happens here and you're so closer to the fulfillment of your dream, you can abort that dream being so close because you weren't prepared over there. Let me, let me, let me see if I can explain to you. Joseph is coming to his brothers. His brothers hate him. And they devise a plan where they take his coat away from him. And then they get an animal, they kill it, and they rub all of that blood on his jacket. And they throw Joseph in the pit. And then they lie about him saying, look, an animal came and devoured Joseph. The Bible says in Genesis 39, 12. We already know what happened with his brothers. They took his coat. They threw him in the pit. And then they lied by saying some animal ate Joseph. Now Joseph has been sold as a slave. He's now in Egypt and on the auction block Potiphar decides to buy him. He's young. He has possibilities. He has potential. He brings them to his house. But because Potiphar is away from his house so long, Potiphar's wife begins to put an eye on Joseph. And if you read the whole story, it says that every day she would tell Joseph, Joseph, baby, honey, this is JR's translation, come on, sleep with me. Nobody will know. The Bible says that she would do that every single day. Stay with me. His brothers see him coming. They take off his cloak. They put him in a pit. And then they lie about him and say an animal devoured him. Now he finds himself at Potiphar's house. With Potiphar's wife every day. Asking him to lay down with her and sleep with her. And in Genesis 39, 12, it says this, talking about Potiphar's wife. She came 
and grabbed him by his cloak. Hmm. When have I seen that before? His brothers took away his coat of many colors, threw him in the pit, and then they lied about him. He doesn't see it yet that this is part of God's process because in life you're going to face those same situations again. And sometimes the only resources you have to come out alive is what you know of God and the experiences that you've had with God. The pastor's not going to be there. The deacons are not going to be there. Nobody's going to be there. And the only resources you have to reach out to encourage yourself is the experiences you had before with God. Joseph, they took his took, brothers took his coat away. They threw him in the pit and they lied about him. Now he's in Potiphar's house. She came and grabbed him by his cloak demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away. But he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. Let's stop there for a moment. This is nothing new for Joseph. I already know what it is to be stripped from my cloak. Hello. I already know what it is to be taking my coat away from me. I, this is not my first rodeo that I've been, not the first bull I've ridden. Are you listening to me? So he finds himself in a predicament, and as he's running, she grabs his coat, and he leaves his coat as he runs out of the house because he doesn't want to commit that sin with, with Potiphar's wife. Genesis 39, 16, and 17. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. Is that true or not? Of course it's not true. Joseph ran. She kept insisting. But now you're seeing the pattern all over again. Joseph is saying, I've lost my cloak once. Joseph is saying, I've been lied about before. And then Genesis 39, 20. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. Are you listening? The same thing that happened two chapters before are now happening to him again. He lost his cloak. They're throwing him in a pit, and then they're lying about him. Now he finds himself in Egypt. He finds himself in Potiphar's house. And now the same thing happens. They stay with this cloak. They lie about him, and now he finds himself in the pit again. Are you listening to me? Sometimes you've got to understand that you're going to have to fight the pits of life. Because they are going to reoccur later on. And if you can handle when they took the cloak away. And if you can handle when they're talking and lying about you. And if you can handle when they seem to throw you in the pit. When life brings that back around. Baby, I know what this is all about. I've been there before. And the God that brought me out of that pit is the God that will bring me out of this pit. The God that delivered me from that lie is the same God that will deliver me from this one the problem is we don't understand that while we're in the pit that God is preparing us for something that will come back in the future and if you go back in life you'll find out hey that is true I, I, I've been there before yeah I, I, I remember when I was unemployed before I remember when I lost my job before. I, I remember when I was bankrupt before. I, I remember when I was not doing good before. And you saw how God took you from glory to glory, from victory to victory. And now that you find yourself again in the same rodeo, you can say, this isn't my first bull. I'll ride this one out just like I did the other one. The God that was with me back there is the God that is with me in this pit. It doesn't matter. This isn't the first time I've been sick. I've been sick before, but I God. 
has healed me before. This isn't the first time that I've been unemployed. I've been unemployed before, but the God that gave me a good job will give me a better job this time. You've got to understand that these cycles that we go through in life, if we learn to trust God and learn from them, the next time it comes, it ain't like nothing anymore. God has to deal with your character. And then he has to deal with you in the pit. Let, 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 me, let me close. Let me close with this. Finally, you'll have to you'll have to fight with the palace. And when you're in the palace, you're gonna have to fight forgiveness. Or unforgiveness. Hello? Because we all can be in the pit. But when you get to the palace, in order to get to the palace, you have to fight there in the prison. You have to fight unforgiveness. Because now Joseph finds himself in prison. And when he finds himself in prison... He has to deal with issues if he's going to get to the palace. And he has to learn to forgive his brothers. And sometimes that's tough to forgive those that are closest to you that hurt you the most. He has to not only forgive his, his, his brothers, but he also has to forget Potiphar's wife. Because because of Potiphar's wife, I'm, I'm here. Because of my brothers, I'm here in Egypt. They sold me. They lied about me. They tried to kill me, and they got rid of me. And that's why I'm in Egypt. And now that I'm in Egypt, I'm trying to do the best that I can. I'm trying to serve God. I'm trying not to sin. Hey, man, I could have laid down with that girl and had sex because they. I, I'm a teenager, and now I'm a slave. I might as well enjoy what they wanted to give me. But I want to honor God, and I don't want to sin. And how could I sin with God by doing something like this? And so he runs, and, and he's in the prison, and he's saying, and by doing good, I find myself here because now I'm being lied about and being accused of something that I didn't do. He has to learn to forgive. Not only does he need to forgive Potiphar's wife, but, but all of a sudden he's in prison and, and there are two people there. There's a cupbearer and there's also uh, not only the cupbearer, but there's the baker. They're in prison. The, the king got mad, threw him in there. They understand that Joseph interprets dreams. And so now he has to uh, 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 make friends. And all of a sudden the, the, the baker and, and the cupbearer say, hey, man, I had this dream. Uh, can, you, can you interpret it for me? And so Joseph says, man, I'll interpret it. But I'm going to ask you for a favor that the moment you get out of here, would you let the king know about me and talk good about me here? Sure, man, no problem. And the cupbearer leaves and never tells the king about Joseph. Can you imagine that? Man, I got took. This was my way out. I've been good. They've already given me the keys. I have favor. I take care of the prisoners. And now this guy has a dream. And the only thing he has to do is tell the king about me. And it's been two years and this guy hadn't even said anything. You have not only the baker, but the cupbearer says, man, I had a dream. Joseph, could you interpret it? Sure, man, I, I'll interpret it. I'm just going to ask you for one favor. When I interpret you the dream, and when you get out of the prison, would you tell the king and talk good about me? And he didn't even do that. How do you deal with people that have stood you, that have backstabbed you? How do you deal with people that you thought loved you, and all of a sudden, they're the ones that are talking about you? How do you deal with people that you helped and all of a sudden now they think like you, you've done nothing for them and they wouldn't be where they are if you hadn't been that bridge to get them there? How do you deal with those people that have hurt you and have scarred you, that have marked you? And before Joseph could get to the palace, it's there in that prison because unforgiveness becomes a prison to us. And unforgiveness will cause us to lose the dream that God has given us. So close, but yet so far. 
so close, but I've got to deal with forgiveness. I not only, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was bad enough having, having to deal with my character. That God has to rearrange things in your life to make you the person that will keep the dream alive and fulfill the dream. And that's costly because this is my character, this is who I am, and God messes that up. Then I've got to deal with my pit. Issues that have happened in the past reoccur. But I understand. I can handle it better now. I've already been through it once. I can do it again. And I'm so close to seeing the dream fulfilled. And then I find myself in my prison. My prison of unforgiveness. Or do I open the prison cell to take me to my destiny by using the key of forgiveness and forgiving those who hurt me and those who left scars on me? Forgive those that I trusted and they betrayed me. Could I help if they forgot about me? And maybe that's where you are today. You're so close to your dream, but yet so far because you've had to carry and you've carried unforgiveness with you. I'll never forgive. It hurt too much. There's no way I'm going to forgive him, her, for what he did or for what she did to me. She walked out on me. She abu he abused me. He scarred me for life. I wouldn't be in this predicament. Although God has been faithful, but I wouldn't be this forgiven. I won't forgive. I won't forgive. And it's there in the prison where you've got to deal with that. And until you're willing to forgive, then God can bring you out of that prison and take you to the palace. And when you get to the palace is when your dream all of a sudden begins to manifest and unfold and be carried out. Some scholars say this, that after he forgave and he was taken to the palace and made him governor, listen to me closely, when his brothers came to ask for food, when his brothers came, he said, I'm your brother Joseph. And they didn't believe him. And the reason that they believe him is because the Hebrews, if you know, if you go to Israel or even to a Jewish community, they have the beard. They have the long hair. That's what defines them as Hebrews and Jews. For the Egyptians, the beard was a disgrace. For the Egyptians, that was to become something that was not right. So when Joseph becomes governor, they shaved his beard off. And they shaved his head off, hair off. So that he would be totally bald because that was the Egyptian culture. That's why when his brothers came and he says, I'm Joseph, they're like, yeah, right. Where's the beard? Where are the sideburns and the curls? Listen to me closely, and I hope you can see this spiritually. You keep reading that scripture, and it says this. And so Joseph told everyone to leave the room except his brothers. And some scholars write, and they said the reason he asked everybody to leave was because he had to prove to his brothers that he was really their brothers. And the only way that he could prove that was to take his clothes off and show him the circumcision. Because Egyptians do not circumcise themselves, but every Jew does. And so when he finally unveils himself to show him the private parts of the circumcision, to say, this is the covenant with God I've got. It was then when their brothers realized this is Joseph. And sometimes the things in life will take things away from you to try to make you not fit into where you should fit in. 
Sometimes the things in life will rearrange things in your own life. And the only thing that you have left of your true identity is the covenant that you have with God. That's the only thing you have left sometimes. That when no one believes anything and when no one believes that you have that dream, all you need to do is just open up and say, I have a covenant with God. And that covenant is more than proof that the God that said that he would fulfill this dream, he will fulfill it in my life and stay close to that covenant that you got. Would you stand to your feet right now? You have a dream that you may not even know of. You have a dream that's bigger than what you are dreaming even right now. But you're going to have to learn to fight for that dream. You're going to have to learn to fight the character that's in you that's not allowing you to keep the dream. And you're going to have to allow God to come and fight in those areas of your life in the pit. And understand that God is doing a process to prepare you because you're going to come back to those cycles again in life. And if you don't learn to deal with them over here, when you're so close to seeing your dream becoming a reality, you won't be able to because you can't deal with it here. And finally, God is saying, you've got to fight your way out of your own prison of unforgiveness. And when you can forgive the people that hurt you, then I can take you to the level that I have for you in the palace. And even though you don't look like you're supposed to look in the palace, look at yourself and know that you have a covenant with me. And the new covenant was when Jesus gave his life on the cross and shed his blood for you and for me. And because of his blood, you can say, I'm in covenant with God. And that's all that matters. I may not look good to you, but when I see the blood of Jesus covering my life, that's the covenant. And more than you seeing it, as long as God sees it, he knows I'm in covenant with him. That dream has to come to pass. And they sing the song. I want to ask you to come to this altar for a few minutes.